It's time for Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. Welcome back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Your final tonight, BYU improving to 4-0 and with a 35-27 victory over the South Florida Bulls. Jason Shepard with you. We've got lots to get to. We'll obviously hope to be able to hear from some of the coaches and players down in the uh, post-game Zoom press conferences. We'll get to some scores. Uh, but let's go over a couple of things uh, first. Remember, when the Cougars win, you win with Papa John's Pizza. Use the online promo code BYU50 at PapaJohns.com this coming Monday and receive 50% off pizza. This offer is good at any Utah location on Monday only. Let's start with the offense because that was the shining star tonight. BYU's offense was absolutely brilliant, and they came out firing on all cylinders right from the get-go. We knew there was at least a 50-50 chance that Baylor Romney was going to get the starting nod tonight at quarterback. That's the way things played out. And right out of the gate, he came out throwing and throwing deep. Baylor Romney was 20 of 25 for 305 yards and three touchdowns. BYU jumped out to a 21 to nothing lead in the first quarter. The first quarter was absolutely dominated by BYU and for all intents and purposes did the majority of their work that they needed to win this game in that quarter. From the second quarter on, that's where things started to change a little bit. BYU's offense was still clicking, but that's when USF was able to get into a little bit of a rhythm. And from the second quarter on, BYU's defense struggled to stop USF the entire rest of the way. Timmy McLean, who we mentioned last week, got his very first start for USF. They certainly have found their quarterback. I don't think there's any reason to look anywhere else. Timmy McLean, the numbers are not going to blow you away. 17 of 24, 186 yards, no touchdowns. But his ability to keep plays alive changed the dynamic of this ball game. Certainly, BYU's defense could not touch him. He was 15 uh, rushing attempts for 55 yards, and it wasn't necessarily just his ability to pick up yardage on the ground, but his ability to move the pocket and to elude a tackle. There were a couple times where BYU defenders were barreling down on him. All he did was he used his athleticism to move out of the way so much so. He was so quick that he was able to make a move and then essentially stop and survey the field before he decided what he was going to do next. BYU had no answer to him. Now, there are obviously some some reasons why that was the case tonight. BYU down some significant players on the defensive line. We already knew about uh, about Keenan Peely, that he was going to be gone for the rest of the season. But it seemed like play after play after play on defense, BYU had a guy going off the field with an injury. Certainly not something that, uh, that you're going to want to see. But uh, BYU's offense did enough. 35-27 is the final score. And now you have a lot of things to work on, certainly defensively, as you go into a big game Friday night, short week, traveling up to Logan to take on Utah State, who lost their first game of the season earlier today to Boise State. Certainly a lot of things to work on defensively, especially when you look at an offense from, speaking of Utah State, that puts up 
big-time stats. Now, today was an example of being able to put up a ton of yards but not scoring a ton of points. They only scored three points in that loss to Boise State. But they are a high-impact uh, offense and they are certainly capable of putting points on the board so uh, something to look uh, look at defensively on things that need to be shored up as you head up to logan coming up on friday night uh friday night usually uh, against utah state because of conference weekend and that is the case again we will take a break we'll come back we'll hit some scores if there's an opportunity to head down to the uh, press conference room via zoom we will do that as well your final BYU 35-27. They are 4-0 on the season. A perfect 4-0 start for the BYU Cougars. We'll have more Cougar postgame live next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Postgame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. Let's not lose sight of what's important tonight. BYU gets the win 35-27. They are now 4-0, currently ranked 15th in the country. That's what's important. Obviously things to work on, certainly defensively getting ready for Utah State next week. Let's go over a couple more of the numbers. We also mentioned Baylor Romney uh, with the 305 yards passing and the three touchdowns. Tyler Algier, another great night for him. 15 carries, 81 yards, two touchdowns. Lopini Katoa, four for 40. Baylor Romney with four carries for 14 yards. In that first quarter, he was uh, using his legs like, hey, I can, uh, I can move around a little bit. Uh, and Samson Nakua, two for three. Uh, but BYU receivers, BYU had two receivers go over the 100-yard mark. Gunnar Romney, five catches for 119 yards and a touchdown. The long was a 49-yard bomb from his brother. Also, you had uh, Puka Nakua, four catches for 102 yards. He did not have a touchdown, but he had a long of 55. You had Mason Wake, five for 24 uh, Neil Pau, another good game, four for 42 and a touchdown. Isaac Rex, one catch for 14 yards. And then Tyler Algier, one catch for four yards. But, again, the offense was absolutely brilliant. Uh, let's get to some scores. Uh, games going on right now. had mentioned these earlier. Uh, these Only one of these features a team in the top 25. Uh, Arizona, at one point, was within five points of number three, Oregon, uh, at Autzen Stadium, but right now the Ducks have pulled away. There's under eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It is 34-19, the Ducks leading the Arizona Wildcats. And with 10-19 to go at the Coliseum, Oregon State right now just taking it to USC. It is 42-24 in favor of the Oregon State Beavers. All right, let's head back to top 25 action and update you on all of the finals from earlier today. There is some activity in the post-game Zoom room. We are monitoring that right now. Hoping to hear from head coach Kalani Satake momentarily when he gets up to the podium. We will certainly take you down there. Number one, Alabama takes care of business. 63-14 over Southern Miss. Georgia on top of Vanderbilt. Big 62 to nothing. 62 shut points in a shutout victory at Vandy. Number four, Oklahoma takes down West Virginia 16 to 13 is the final score. Number five, Iowa defeats Colorado State 24 to 14. Penn State over Villanova 38-17. Number 16, Arkansas upsets number seven, Texas A&M by 10. Final score is 20 to 10 in favor of the Razorbacks. NC State updating, or excuse me, upsetting 
Number nine, Clemson in double overtime, 27-21 is the final score. Ohio State defeats Akron 59-7. Number 11, Florida defeats Tennessee 38-14. 12th ranked Notre Dame in Chicago on top of number 18, Wisconsin, 41-13. to This was a game that I watched earlier today. This was a good one in the Big 12, Baylor. Gets the win at home over number 14, Iowa State, 31-29. Iowa State making it a little uh, uh, closer at the end. They failed on a two-point conversion that would have tied the game. Baylor, 4-0. They should be ranked when the polls come out next week. Number 17, Coastal Carolina defeats UMass, 53-3. Michigan gets the win at home over Rutgers, 20-13 is the final score. Michigan State over Nebraska in overtime, 23-20. Georgia Tech upsets number 21, North Carolina, 45-22. Auburn over Georgia State, 34-24. Number 24, UCLA winning at Stanford, 35-24. Oklahoma State also getting the win over K-State, 31-20. Head coach Kalani Satake making his way into the Zoom press conference. Let's listen in. All right, Jared, go ahead. Kalani, what do you take away from that game? Because the offense played really well. The defense maybe struggled more than we've seen. So how do you kind of balance what you take away from that contest? Well, I think I think it's pretty evident that the defense needed to do a better job getting off the field and uh, definitely disappointed in the second-half defense. Um, I felt like our offense was clicking and we're moving the ball and, and you know, doing some really good things, but – USF, uh, you have to give them credit. They, they took the, the ball away from us and didn't give it. You know, they, they basically, I don't know what the time possession was, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they they uh, held the ball pretty good. I mean, I don't know how many possessions did we have in the second half. Four. We had maybe three or four possessions in the, in the second half um, for our offense, which is not good. You know, so you find ways to get off the field. Um, and I, I do a better job to get our guys ready. So, uh, you know, felt the offense came to play and defense uh, for the first half looked pretty good and just had to find ways to make plays in, in, in the second half. And give a lot of credit to South Florida. I thought they did some really good things. Like the quarterback, I can't believe he's a young freshman, but he, he can escape and run. Uh, felt like we couldn't keep him contained and he was, he was really athletic. You know, we, uh, he escaped a bunch of a bunch of possible sacks and so we have to give them a lot of credit uh, they made some plays and, and uh, we, did, we didn't make enough on defense in the second half especially that that would make me really happy so offensively I thought we were good Def- uh, special special teams obviously had a field goal blocked I don't know if it was a low kick seemed like that to me but um, got to find a way to, to make those more automatic and, and get points on the board so uh, disappointed but thankful we got the win Told our guys that uh, no long faces in the locker room. You know, we, we want to play our best. Uh, I don't think we played our best as, as a complete team, but I think there's some really promising things considering, you know, with our backup quarterback, um, some really good things that we saw on the field. So um, I think it's kind of tale of two sides and, and then special teams-wise with the scene more on the field. But, uh, didn't really have much opportunity for more punt returns or – um, anything with kick returns is a kick the boss kicked in the end zone pretty much every time. 
I also wanted to ask about that injury status. It seemed like there were a lot of guys dinged up both coming into the game and then also a lot of guys going out during the game. How did, how, how did you see that? How are, what, what's the status there as far as health goes? Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of guys that are banged up. So I, I don't, um, n- nobody gone for the year. So that we know of right now, we'll still, I mean, it's, it's, the guys are hurt and, and banged up and not 100%, but I think they'll, they'll be okay. And so there may be some questionable guys come for this next uh, game next Friday. We'll have to wait and see. We'll probably give you more information on Monday. Um, the guys that did not play tonight, I believe there's a Tyler Batty and um, Nisa Mahe didn't play. They, they felt like they could have gone, but um, we're not going to play guys if they can't practice. We didn't feel like they had enough practice time. And so – you know, that would have been helpful to have those two guys in, in a, a D-line, but um, it was good for opportunity for those other guys to learn and, and some younger guys to get more reps, but um, almost almost gave it away, you know. So um, I'm trying to think. Jaron obviously is uh, – we thought he would be ready to go, and, and from the um, advice of, of our uh, medical staff, they decided that it was probably best for him to hold him out and – I think if you asked him, he was ready. He was, he wanted to go, but we have to be smart. We have to save our guys from themselves, even and and make the right move. And we felt good about Baylor entering this game. Um, I think some other guys got banged up and went out and never came back. I, I'm trying to think of who uh, Harris Chance got banged up, but um, we feel like he, we'll see what happens. We think he could come back uh, for next week. Um, who else? Mason Wake went out, and I think the same thing. We, we think he can come. We can get him back. Um, anybody? Caleb Christensen. Uh, we'll see how, how, how that looks uh, tomorrow, but we're hopeful. And um, But nobody is, it, nobody's counted out yet for, for next week of the guys that they went out. And then uh, we're pretty sure we can get uh, Batty and Nysa back, and then we have to wait and see what happens with, with Jaron. But we're, we're – we're feeling pretty good about him getting being back as well. Mitch and then Dick. Lonnie, you mentioned that uh, Batty and Nisa didn't practice much this week. Did, was Jaron able to practice at all leading up to tonight? Not effectively, not not enough for for us to feel good about it. I mean, we every day it seemed like he was getting better and better, but um, just wasn't enough. For, and, and then at the same time, Baylor was practicing really well. So uh, we felt the, we felt like going into this game, maybe Baylor would be the starter, would be the right move, and then have Jaron as a backup. But um, I think having Jaron as a backup was probably a little too tempting to might to use him a little bit. And so I, I think we did the right thing by being safe and and, and cautious, uh, just watching out for him. And so that, I think that's what we ended up doing. We we ended up shifting it out and just not even dressing him, just to to stay away from the temptation of putting him on the field before he's ready. Before you get into the film study this weekend, what, what are your initial reactions as far as a positive that came out of this game, in your opinion? Yeah, we found a way to grind it out and win the game. I mean, I, I thought um, wins are really hard in college football. And so although we're disappointed, I'm disappointed in some of the things that happened tonight. I think we have to be thankful that we were able to get the win and you have to give credit to South Florida for some of the things that they did. They saw an opportunity to play uh, here and, and they showed up and I, th- I thought um, Jeff Scott did a great job getting his team ready. They, they were excited to play in front of our crowd. 
And, um, you know, they made a game of it. And so I, I had to give them a lot of credit, but I know we can play better. I know we can do a lot better, especially on defense. Uh, offensively, I, I was really pleased with a lot of things that we saw. We just got to find ways to score points and get in the end zone, not have to always rely on going for it on fourth down. So, I, I mean, things are fixed, but I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit impatient because I want to, I want to be better right now. <laughs> Coach, this is the first game you've uh, missed. Keenan Peely, a big emotional leader for you. How do you think that the changes that you made in his absence worked? Um, what kind of things did you look like? What the kind of things did you not like? Well, we, we decided to put Chaz a little bit more up in the box and play him at linebacker. Um, we had Ben Bywater and Chaz and Max and Peyton kind of rotate a little bit um, up there trying to keep them all fresh. But <clears throat> hard hard to replace Keenan and, and, and all, the, all the experience that he has there. But uh, I thought our guys did pretty good. I, I really feel like how some of the issues that we had it were – just not getting out of drives and, and, and allowing um, um, McLean to just extend plays, you know, where we felt like we were closer. We couldn't contain him. So um, we have to do a better job than that. But uh, because we're going against uh, two really athletic quarterbacks this next week. So that can't be <coughs> an excuse that, uh, that, uh, you know, it's an athletic guy because there's athletic quarterbacks all over the place, and and uh, Utah State has a couple of them. So um, that's we just have to do a better job, and I have to do a better job coaching, getting them, getting them in a better position to make tackles and trust their assignments and their technique. Just a follow up, coach. You said there were some long faces in the locker room. What what was your uh, point of interest when you we talked to them? What did you want to get across right after the game? Well, the, the, I, I want to remind them that winning's hard, and uh, appreciate the, the game and respect the game by uh, celebrating. I also remind them that the celebration has to be a little quicker because the game's coming up quick. We lose a day, and so uh, ask them to be smart and, and get their rest tonight. Go to church tomorrow and be ready to to, to go to Logan next week. You know, so uh, the guys really expect expect a lot from themselves and. They can be hard on themselves. That's why sometimes it's okay that, that uh, they're really hard on themselves. They have the standard of, of uh, expectation and to perform. But I, I need to also let them know it's okay to, to make mistakes and it's okay to be uh, thankful that you were to grind out a win. And so uh, hopefully, you know, the, the long faces will turn into something more positive and will get us to so we can focus on, on getting better and making sure that we play a complete game next week. Thank you, Coach. Sam and then Jared. Coach, uh, you talked about having one fewer day this week to prepare, obviously, with the game on Friday. Uh, how does that change your your regular routine for this upcoming week? Um, we don't do anything on Sunday. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, do some treatment and stuff like that. But other than that, uh, we'll have to just – we just lose a day of prep. I mean, we we feel good about our, our – our, uh, things that we can do as a team, feel good about our foundation on, on what we've done with install. Obviously, we have to look at, at, at the film in Utah State because we haven't seen a lot of it other than some of the things that we've seen them when they play games and stuff. They played earlier this morning, so a lot of our guys watched that game. 
Um, but other than that, we, we, there's not a lot that we know other than, than the stuff like that we've seen in, in on games and highlights and stuff like that. And they have a really good team. I think, uh, Blake's doing a good job getting those guys ready. They, they seem to have a lot of, uh, guys that, that new players that came in and fit right into what they want to get accomplished on, on the field. And so, a um, lot of respect to them and their fans. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a rivalry game for us. It's one that we, we've been very, uh, you know, we, we've been familiar with seeing them, uh, year to year. So I'm looking forward to going up there and playing that game and, and, and hoping that, that we can show better than what we did tonight. Connie, we've talked a lot about the second half, but we got to talk about the first half because you built a 28 to six lead. The offense scored on four of five possessions. You know, the defense bent a couple of times, but only surrendered a couple of field goals. That was a pretty good start to the game. What, what'd you see there? Yeah, I like that. I mean, I, th- I think if we can score that many points that early, then, then you're going to be in a good, good spot. So just really happy with, with what we saw from, from uh, you know all three phases, I thought they did a really good job. Um, we were able to get uh, force them into field goals, and and uh, we felt really good about where we we're at. The uh, it just the second half was just it's just a kind of a dark cloud over the second the game because the second half just isn't our style of football that we're used to seeing from our defense. Um, and then and then we'd like to get the ball more to our offense, and so it's hard to score points when you don't have a lot of possessions and and. Um, but I was thankful that we got the win. I was thankful that our guys were able to to get out there and grind it out and, and figure out a way to, to, to get the win for us. Awesome. Thanks so much, Coach. Thank you. Coach of the Cougars, Baylor Romney will be next after this break on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Jason Shepard for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Baylor Romney addressing the media after the Cougars' 35-27 win. Let's listen in. Early on Monday, I started taking reps at the one. I didn't really know for sure or not what Jaren's status was going to be until uh, really Wednesday. But, I mean, starting on Monday, I was practicing as if I was going to start this game. Taylor, do you feel like your your opportunity to be in this uh, first team, you know, first team unit right now? Does it give you? Does it feel like it give you a chance to uh, compete for the job permanently uh, going forward? Uh, I mean, that's a coach's decision. I don't think anyone should ever lose a job due to injury. But again, that's in the coach's hands. Jay, and then Jared. Yeah, uh, Gunner, uh, was the script all along to come out just slinging the ball downfield like you did so so effectively? I mean, that's always a game plan, run the ball, throw the ball deep, and it you know worked out for us tonight. Hey, talk about the way the game started. To be able to score four touchdowns on four of the first five possessions and have a 28-6 to six lead at halftime, that, that – I imagine you're pleased with how the offense was able to do. Yeah, I mean, our goal when we touch the ball is to score touchdowns every single possession, and that happened in the first half. And, you know, things slowed down a bit in, in the second half for us. We didn't get very many possessions, and 
didn't take advantage of, uh, I mean, that one opportunity in the red zone to score another touchdown. Um, but again, overall, pretty good night on offense. That kind of touched about the other thing I wanted to ask. How tough is it? The offense is going well, and the other team just, you know, grinds out these long drives, and you have to sit on the sidelines and kind of wait for your opportunity. I know you support the defense, but but just waiting to try and keep that momentum going offensively, how hard is that? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily hard to keep the momentum. It's um, it's obviously hard when you don't get as many possessions like we did in the second half. But just being supportive of our defense, I mean, they've had our backs for the first three games, and tonight we were able to have their backs in a sense. Um, but, yeah, just you know, staying warm on the sidelines as, as best you can and getting ready to go score out the next drive. Some, any other questions for Baylor? All right, you're good to go. Thank you. BYU quarterback Baylor Romney getting the start tonight, and he was brilliant in the 35-27 victory for the BYU Cougars, 20 of 25, 305 yards and three touchdowns. That is going to do it for Cougar Post Game Live. Your final score, Cougars improved to 4-0 with a 35-27 victory. The Big O Tires Cougar Locker Room Show is next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to post-game coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Our coverage continues with the Big O' Tires Cougar Locker Room Show. Stop by local Big O' Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O' Tires, the team you trust. Let's head live to the Built Bar broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU 35, South Florida 27 is our final score. Pepe Tanuvasa is in the Zoom room. Let's join in. Have like a, a, a defensive... I guess, rotation or scheme when guys are constantly coming in and out and you don't know who's available and that kind of thing? Or is it, is it not something that you even think about? Um, I, could, I could see how that might um, be difficult, but we see it as a strength. You know, we're, we're, we have a lot of depth, especially on defense. And so we're really able to reach into, um, you know, our deeper lineup as soon as the deeper in the season we go because bumps and bruises are going to happen. And so I think it's a great job to, or a great opportunity for our younger guys uh, to get some experience, and and they really showed out today. Jared, I mean, talk about the the challenge of chase, chasing McLean around. Their quarterback seemed to do a great job extending plays, frustrating you know defenders that thought they had him, and and uh, he gets away. What does that do? Um. I see it as a challenge, and, and he did a great job. Hats off to him. Hats off to the, their offensive coordinator. Uh, they did, he did a great job of extending plays, like he said. Um, and we just have to accept the challenge the next time and, and do a better job. You know, we're, we're a few inches every time away from making a play, and so next time we just have to, to execute. Ben, go ahead. Uh, Pepe, what was the specific game plan for uh, to, in order to contain um, the quarterback, and how did it differ from maybe uh, Jaden Jaden Daniels, uh, another dual threat quarterback at ASU? You know, we we came into to the game plan running, um, wanting to run a similar game plan to Utah, or 
and to the, to the games that we have been playing. Um, but that, that ended up changing in the first half uh, when we saw that, um, you know, our strong personnel was doing, was doing well. And so we tried to stick with that and they, USF made some great adjustments and uh, we just had to, to grind it out in the end. Some, any other questions? Was, uh, was uh, Timmy McDaniel as fast or faster than uh, some of the other quarterbacks that you guys have faced this season? He, he was really fast. I, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a blur, especially in the game. You're just uh, worried about not missing. And so I, I haven't really figured out. I need to look back at the tape and see how, how fast he left. Jared, last question. One more for you. Just, I, you see, I saw a lot of guys, you know, trying to chase him down and maybe make that dive and go for the ankles or, you know, try and grab the, the shoelace tackle, basically. How do you um, know, is that just an instinct thing of when to dive and when to try and keep your feet? Because it seemed like, you know, that's a challenge for a, for a defensive player in those circumstances. It's definitely a challenge. Um, a lot of it's instinct um, and knowing uh, just from, through film what he's going to do. Uh, a lot of it has to do with our angle of pursuit, which um, is something we could do a better job of um, overall. And so I think if our angles are a little bit better, the dives that we do make, I think we make count. And so I think it's a big, that would lead to a bigger change in the game. Awesome. Thanks. Bye-bye. Tanovasa. We'll have here from Thanks, Puka guys. Nakua next as the Big O Tires Cougar Locker Room Show continues on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Puka Nakua, four catches for 102 yards tonight. Part of a 35-27 win, BYU over USF. Down to the Zoom room for Puka. Uh, Puka, uh, four receptions, 102 yards. Uh, really nice performance from you. Uh, obviously, you were connecting with, with Baylor well. Tell us a little bit about your chemistry with Baylor over the last week. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, Baylor's always taking the reps behind Jaron and stuff, so we knew – or. Uh, I mean, coming into the new team and stuff, everybody's always talking about how confident they are in Baylor. And uh, I was able to be a firsthand witness of that tonight. And our connection felt great. We worked, uh, worked these routes during practice this week, and it was only perfect. I mean, in, in the, the, look, the stutter look that I got, I mean, I put my head down and kept running. And the ball, I looked up, and the ball fell right into my lap. So there's definitely a connection there. And he was slinging around to everybody. I'm looking here. Uh, we, we slang the ball around to a lot of our guys. And Gunner, obviously, the brother connection, you never get tired of that. So that was fun to see. And then uh, it was just fun to be out there to make for us receivers and tight ends to get more involved in the passing game to see it finally connect. And we're still not there. We know we're not hitting on all cylinders, but we're definitely making progress. That's for sure. And and one last thing, Tuka, it typically takes two, three, sometimes four defenders to bring you down. Like, what's your mentality when you get the ball and there's that contact there? And how do you drive through? Uh, I love the contact. I guess, I mean, <laughs> you guys know I've grown up with brothers. So I, I guess me being the youngest one, I always got hit and beat on. So I had to learn how to take the punches and run with them and keep going. So I, when they try to hit me, I mean, uh, I'm a big receiver, 6'2", I have 200 plus pounds. So, I mean, if you're going to hit me, I'm going to make sure you feel it too. So. <laughs> Uka, for you personally, do you feel like this was a, a breakout performance for you in your BYU career that you can start to build off of now? Um. Kind of. I think it was, uh, uh, yeah, definitely a breakout game. I think it was, I mean, 
I'm not exactly sure, but I believe this is the first time I've broken 100 yards in my career, and it was so fun to do it in the home in our home crowd. So it was super fun. But I'm still, I think we're 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 right on the bridge of going off in the past game. So I'm excited. It was, uh, it was fun. I left some out there last week, so it was fun to come back and uh, kind of re-up. So it was, it was definitely fun. <laughs> when do you feel like you're, you're at your best as a receiver? Like what, what attributes do you feel like you, you can provide to this offense on a week-in, week-out basis as you get more targets? Um, I pride myself in being able to run all routes, being a little bit of a big receiver. So I know, I mean, the last week, I'm still thinking about the Arizona State. I mean, early in the game, we hit me on a comeback, and I did. I wasn't able to get out of my break, and then we threw a deep ball, and so it was it was a huge a huge relief when we connected on that that deep ball on our sideline. So it was kind of to get the little jitters out, and kind of just like you said, the start of a kind of my run, and hopefully being more consistent and uh, ready for a bigger role to keep keep pushing. Out. I'm excited. We're 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 not hitting it yet, but it's fun for us to score touchdowns out in the receiver group for sure. Sean? Puka, how frustrating is it when uh, the other team's playing possession ball the way they did? I mean, really well, credit to USF, 35 minutes of possession, I think it was, but you guys only got out there for three possessions in the second half. Does that, I mean, were you getting itchy or antsy going? Because I know I know you just want to go out and do your thing. So just how frustrating is that on the sideline, I guess? Um. It's not too frustrating. I mean, we trust our defense a lot and we see them every day. So knowing that we were down a couple of guys, it was, it was exciting to see other guys step up and make plays. And then I think it was a learning opportunity for our defense. I mean, they've held a lot of good teams to under 20 points. So for them to kind of see what it was like against a different team and get uh, a lot of different looks from USF. Uh, I was excited to see our defense. I think they, they played really well and then they, they got a lot of things they can work on too. But I mean, that's why we play football is we'll come in tomorrow and figure it out, get ready to go again next week. Ben, go ahead. Luca, this is about uh, a couple of games prior, Utah game. Can you take us through the, the celebration with your brother, the emotion, what it meant to you and Samson at that time versus Utah? We haven't been able to talk to you about it. So um, I'm sure you knew what the play was and you kind of knew it could happen. But take us through your thoughts, your emotions, and what it meant to you and your uh, family. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. I mean, we as soon as I seen the play go in and uh, Samson was out there, it's just it was just a matter of time. <laughs> I think I was somewhere on the twenty five or thirty yard line, and as soon as I see him break out for his whip round, I mean, I was in a full sprint to the end zone, and he came down with it. I I don't think I've ever had like such tunnel vision before in my life. I, from the sideline to where I hit Samson, I I didn't see anybody else besides number forty five and. <laughs> After uh, everybody was showing me a clip of Mason Wake trying to jump on, <laughs> jump on Samson, everybody's celebrating. I come and undercut him, but yeah, I was so lucky. And it was just so exciting for him. I mean, obviously my brother, but uh, how it was for him to be able to score against his former team and just the, the the roar of the crowd that game and just the excitement of being in the Utah game. It was just everything added up to the pinnacle, and it was it was so fun to be a part of. <laughs> I think I broke. I I may have hurt Samson because I punched him really hard, but as a little brother, he deserved it. <laughs> awesome! Thanks so much, Puka. Thank Wide you. Receiver Puka Nakua will come back and hopefully have Neil Pau on the headset with us. This is the BYU Big O Tires Cougar Locker Room Show. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires for the lowest price on every tire, plus no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. We'll continue from Provo, where BYU defeats South Florida by a final score of 35-27. to You heard it all right here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU 4-0 in consecutive seasons for the first time in BYU football history. Cougars 35 and the Bulls of USF 27. Tonight's final score, Baylor Romney 20 for 25 for 305, three touchdowns. Four of his 20 completions and one of his three scores went to our next guest, Neil Pau. Neil with his fourth receiving touchdown of the year, tying his career high set in 2020 when he also had four touchdown catches on the season. Neil, thanks for coming on and congrats on the win. Oh, thank you for having me. One of the first things I want to talk about is how weird a game it was in some ways. You had only five, eight possessions, five in the first half, three in the second half. Did it feel like you were doing a lot of standing and watching tonight? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think in the second half especially. Uh, the first half, we did what we were supposed to do. We knew what we could do against this defense and stuff and what our offense can do uh, if we were connecting. Um, and we wanted to jump out to a fast start, so we did that. But the second half, I mean, they made some plays as well. So you got to give credit to, to USF for, for what they did with their two long drives. I think it was like plays 15 and plays of 19 plays or whatever. So you got to give credit to them as well. But um, at the end, we're glad to just be 4-0. Yeah, their scoring drives went 13, 12, 14, 6, and 19 plays. And your scoring drives were all under four minutes, and <laughs> none of them went to double digits. And so yeah. you guys went about business in a very different way tonight. No, I definitely agree with that. So um, we're going to get to Riley here in a second uh, to hit you. But uh, speaking of hitting, man, you took some pops out there tonight, and, and you kept on getting up, but, but th- th- they, they put a lick on, didn't they, a little bit? Yeah, they're a physical team. Um, and we knew that going in, and we knew that they're, I guess they're playing with house money type deal. Um, but again, we're just grateful to be four and no, come out of it as healthy as we possibly can, uh, in preparation for next week. You'll be, I mean, you'll you'll have Sunday soreness, but are you, did you come out of it okay today? Yeah, no, I'm okay. Neil, uh, the second play of the game was a deep ball to uh, Gunner, lays out, makes a beautiful catch, and then the first play of the second series was a deep ball to Puka. I made the comment to Greg. I was like, I'll bet you Neil's going over saying, all right, Baylor, next series is mine. (laughs) (laughs) How do you guys go about it? I know you guys are really supportive of each other, and it's all about moving the ball down the field. Um, But talk about the – uh, talk about that wide receiver room and and uh, how you guys are all you know the selfish selfless encouragement of each other's success. Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, our offense doesn't really um, what is it spotlight anybody really. Um, I think Fessy does a good job of uh, when someone has caught a deep ball and someone hasn't caught a pass. So I didn't catch a pass. I mean those first three drives or whatever that we went down and scored and. Kind of the next plays were for me. So Fessy does a good job of just trying to get everyone touches, have everyone feel involved type deal, uh, like they made some uh, a play in the game type deal. So, I mean, we're all happy. Uh, Puka came down with one. He, I know he was mad, I think, last week when he had dropped one in the left corner um, over there. And then Gunner's my dog. So whenever I see the ball go up to, to Gunner, I know it's about to come down. And uh, he definitely has had a lot of those uh, laying out catches uh, his career for sure. So you got uh, pat, you got interfered with on what was almost a great play where you had to kind of, you almost kind of did a swim move on the defender uh, to catch a touchdown on the fade, and then you come back very next play catch the touchdown on the crosser. Uh, you're so good at uh, you have to me you have such a knack on those deep crossing routes, but you're also good in one on one scenarios. What are your favorite routes to run, especially when you get one on one coverage? Um, I think anything. I, I believe in my, my film study. I believe in my off-season work and what I did in the off-season to prepare me for this season. So I think if it's man-on-man, I 
feel completely 100% uh, confident in what I can do and who I'm going up against. I don't really care who it is. Um, just trust that, you know, my hard work will pay off, and I'm glad that I've been able to, to help the team in whatever way that it's possible. How great is it to be on a team with a QB1 and QB2 who have been as good as Jaron and Baylor this year? It's, I mean, we're lucky. We're lucky to have both of them to have been able to play throughout these years, um, and then you've been able to just see their offseason work. They both went about it different ways, but when they're put in the game and stuff, you definitely see that they did something in the offseason. And we were able to connect a lot tonight through the air, and it was good to see. Was there any team-wide conversation about that game in 2019 that a lot of these guys were a part of and, and how they wanted to get one back? Uh, I think everybody was young, um, so no one really cared about that game. We just wanted to go 4-0. It was the next game on the schedules, and um, we knew we had a shot to win, just like they had a shot to win. But um, we're confident in our game plan and confident in what we could do. We all were a little older. I didn't play them in 2019 because right, right. of my suspension. Um, but I mean, they definitely were able to were were able to get it back. When you hear that BYU is four and zero in back to back seasons for the first time in program history, does that blow your mind a bit? Um, yeah, obviously, with uh, as many uh, winning seasons as BYU has had, uh, it's definitely crazy to hear that. And Arod had dropped that before um, the game and stuff. What we could do, um, but he also just reinforced that you know we can't come out and be lackadaisical because then like Clemson they lost today and Auburn barely won Mm -hmm. so he was just trying to make sure that we were on point uh, make sure that we didn't come out slow come out sloppy as uh, some other teams that did you're one of only a few teams that hasn't trailed in any game yet this year Uh, what's the value there in in having a cushion throughout the course of a game where you've been able to play from in front from the very start I think it's nice I think it's nice it helps with play calling it helps put pressure on them um, but I think we're ready for whatever is next. Uh, we know possibly we won't do that, have that uh, stat the whole the whole season. Uh, but when we do, I think we'll be up for it. Neil, uh, recovery in recent years has been. I, I think Tom Brady kind of made it big, but you guys are on a quick turnaround playing a Friday night game, and there was quite a few. I, I don't know that if they were like legit injuries, but quite a few guys getting banged up in this game. So, what does recovery or active recovery look like for you guys? especially on a short week? Yeah, I think it's huge. I think we're going to have to do everything possible to um, to get our guys you know, healthy enough to be able to go out and play on Friday. Um, but um, we're going to have to work with not only our strength staff but our training room and make sure that we're in there whenever we can and however much treatment we can get. And if they know other guys outside of our training room to get treatment from them, um, and hopefully we'll be ready to go uh, come Friday. Kalani mentioned the phrase long faces in the locker room about the second half performance tonight. Well, how would you describe the vibe around the team about the win after the win, and, and how does it set you up for next week at, uh, in, in Logan? Yeah, I think Kalani said it best. There's there long faces, and I think the, de- the defense especially, they know that they could have played better and got off the field a couple times and stuff. Um, but, I mean, a win is a win, so we're going to take it and stuff. And, I mean, I'm always I, – I try to stay even keel uh, so the offense sees that. Um, and when it's time to go, it's time to go. So if we had to put another touchdown drive together, I was confident that, you know, with with me and then Puka and Gunner, uh, we would have been all right. Okay, now you play your first true away game of the year, in-state game, Logan, Friday night. What do you think? That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> to be almost five games in, to have a first uh, away game, a uh, true away game. Uh, but it'll be exciting. We know how hostile that uh, those fans can get. Um and how hyped they'll be because they just came off a loss against Boise State. Um, But I think we'll be ready.
Always good visiting with you, Neil. Thanks for the time. Four catches, 42 yards, and a score. And uh, best of luck in recovery and getting ready for the Aggies next week. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that is Neil Pau. We'll continue with the Big O Tires Cougar Locker Room Show. BYU 35 and USF 27 are final on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Wrapping up our Big O Tires Cougar Locker Room Show by telling you that with six consecutive wins, BYU is now tied for the sixth longest win streak in the country. Alabama, Oklahoma, Iowa, Georgia, Penn State, the only teams with longer win streaks than BYU's six in a row dating back to last year. The head coach of the Cougars, whose team defeated USF 35-27 tonight, is Kalani Sitake, and he is on the headset, so we'll take another quick little break, come right back with the coach. Kalani Sitake is next on the Larry H. Miller Cougar Postgame Coaches Show, next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller Auto, conveniently located in Provo, Linden, and Orem. Larry H. Miller Auto, driven by you. Also by Economics Partners, a premier national business valuation firm. Learn more at econpartners.com. Let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And a new feature, our Economics Partners Valuable Stat of the Game is coming up in our next segment as we visit now with BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. Kalani's Cougs defeat South Florida tonight by a score of 35-27. to BYU led start to finish, got off to a great start, led 21-0 in the first quarter. It was a very game USF team, outscored BYU 21-7 in the second half. Cougs do end up with the win and go to 4-0. Coach, congratulations on the W. Thank you. Glad glad we got the win, and, and just happy that the fans made a lot of noise again tonight. Just really thank, thankful that, for that. What's going to be the prevailing thought you take with you when you uh, make the walk to your car and close the door and start the drive home tonight? Well, just uh, I, I've got to do a better job getting this this team to play a complete game. I felt like the the first uh, three games, the you know, it was never really complete from. On, on, on offense or defense, and then um, more defense showed up a little bit more in the first three games, and now the offense was was clicking, and we just couldn't get them the ball enough. And so that's uh, we imagine how good we'd be if the offense and defense both play at their best, and then I think we'll be in a good spot. So that's that's my job. I got to get them ready, but a lot of credit to the opponents that we've been playing. They they've done a great job. I wasn't expecting U, USF to. to grind out the ball that long and try to possess it and keep us off the field and um it, it worked i thought i thought they had a great game plan we just need to find a way to get off the get off the field yeah two of their touchdown scoring drives went 14 plays and then 19 plays yeah and that's uh and then then they both went to fourth downs you know so um we, we definitely need to find a way to, to tackle better and um, I just need the guys on the defense to trust each other. I felt I, I talked to the team afterwards. Just felt like guys were, were were trying to do too much, and that happens sometimes when you go to some depth, and you got some young guys in there, and we have guys trying to replace Keenan Peely and Tyler Batty and Nice Mahe, and, and they start to reach a little bit and do too much, trying to do too much rather than just focus on their one eleventh. And that cost us a lot of plays. I mean, you'll, you'll see. I, I already know. I don't have to watch the film right now. I know that there's a lot of mistakes made. 
um, by guys trying to do too much rather than just doing their their part. Okay, Coach, I got a personnel grouping request, for, and this is maybe for A-Rod, but uh, Campbell Barrington came in for an injured Harris LeChance early in the game, so you had the two brothers on the offensive line, mm-hmm. and you had uh, – and then you have Baylor and Gunner on the field at the same time. We got to complete the trifecta and get Puka and Samson. But the three sets of brothers never quite made it on the field. No, my question, <laughs> my, my question is uh, outside of that request is talk about recruiting and recruiting within like fa- family bloodlines, and especially it seems to you know be. I don't know that there's ever been a time at BYU where you've got as many sets of brothers that are actually playing, um, let alone on the team. Well, so, something that I'm really drawn to in, in recruiting as a family, and so um, I, I like the work ethic that I see from players, and um, they usually learn a lot of those great lessons at home. And so uh, their siblings probably have this very similar work ethic, same type of mindset, same type of razor sharp focus that we see from all those guys, and and uh, that it just makes it a lot easier. I have, we feel like we can develop players that have at least that that's a given where we know they're going to come in they're going to work hard they're going to buy in they're going to be a great teammate and buy into the culture so that's probably a big reason why we do families is because we know we're going to get that from from the younger brothers because and it helps having the older brother be over here to kind of you know enforce it a little bit more yeah so speaking of younger brothers uh Baylor Obviously, started off the game with that big uh, pass to Gunner, but talk about just his poise. And every time he's been called on, he's absolutely delivered. Whether that is starting, which he's three and zero and starts, or coming in and finishing games, which he did two years ago uh, up in Logan against Utah State, and of course came in and was one for one with a touchdown last week to close out the game against Arizona State. Great, great player. And and we're really fortunate to have some really good depth on this team. Uh, I've said it before. I, I really like that quarterback room, uh, and and I, I like the whole group. It's not just the three guys that we that get all the attention. But um, Baylor was ready for this moment, and he had a great week of prep. Um, you know, we trust him, and uh, you know he he probably ran a little bit too much tonight, the, to my liking, especially with Jaron not being suited up. But um, I like that he. He feels really com- – you can see he just feels comfortable on, on the field. You know what I mean? And, yeah, poised. And yeah, just just seems like he, he's got this great um, demeanor about him. And, and, and it, it, it kind of – the players on the offensive side feed off of it. And, you know, the, the only thing that was a, a negative but it's a positive was that they scored so fast that we just got done with a long drive on defense that we had to turn around and go back again on the field. And um, – they just they they were just clicking. They were doing some really good things with the run game, the pass game. And I thought I thought he was dropping the ball. He was dropping some dimes, and um, the deep balls were, were beautiful. The way he was he was being able to spread the ball out a little bit. I th- I only saw one that was a, a bad throw, but I I think there's a little bit of miscommunication on that one. Yeah, he had a 47, a 49, and a 55 uh, tonight among his long balls. Uh, USF's quarterback, only a freshman. He's going to be pretty good, I think. He went 17 for 24 for a buck 86, a passer rating around 136, and can move around a little bit. He ran for 55 yards. I think McLean could be good for them. Yeah, he he's going to be a, he he's going to be a really really good one. And um, you know, we, we felt like we we had a good game plan and and had some some thoughts on what we can do. But you have to give him a lot of credit because he extended plays and yeah. got out of so many sacks. I mean. Golly, I felt like we had such a great beat on him and a great angle, and then he would just outrun our outrun our guys. And 
the fact that he's just a young young kid, you know, and, and to be in this hostile environment and, and to have um, that much, you know, just that much poise in the way he played the game. I, I thought in the past, they, they when you watch the first three games with them, they were running fast. They're going really, really quick. And I don't know if he could ever really get into in the feel of the game. This this week against us, they slowed the game down a little bit more for him. And, and you could see the quality of plays that he did. And then he just possessed the ball and kept the ball away from our offense that we felt like were really explosive all night. But they really couldn't couldn't take advantage of all the opportunities because they only had eight drives or nine drives total. Yeah, eight possession night for both teams. As we head to break, uh, let's quickly address BYU's quarterback situation. What do you anticipate being the scenario for Utah State week between Jaron and Baylor? Well, we'll see if Jaron can practice tomorrow. I mean, on uh, Monday, um, if that's the case, then we'll, we'll we'll see how we we'll have to assess how uh, how he's feeling. And then right now, we feel good with Baylor, so we we'll have to wait it out and see these guys in practice. Just like we'll have to get Batty and and Mahe and those guys back and and see how they can get 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 going with with uh, practice. So if they can practice, they can do it. Then then we'll we'll have a little bit of competition to make it work. All right, we're going to test uh, Coach Satake's voice for one more segment here tonight. We're going to take a break, come back. More with Kalani. This is the Larry H. Miller Cougar Postgame Coaches Show, brought to you by Larry H. Miller Auto, conveniently located in Provo, Linden, and Orem. Larry H. Miller Auto, driven by you. Closing comments with the coach coming up. BYU 35 and USF 27, our final score. BYU 4-0 in back-to-back seasons for the first time in Cougar football history. We're on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU 35 and USF 27 tonight's final score. Time for our economics partner's valuable stat of the game. BYU's accounting program is nationally ranked, so it's no surprise one of the nation's top business valuation firms is run by diehard BYU fans. Need evaluation for your business? Go to econpartners.com. And here's tonight's valuable stat of the game. On a night when BYU snapped the ball only 50 times, it's good that BYU averaged 8.9 yards per play on offense. A tremendous number. It's a season high for BYU and the best number since the Boca Raton Bowl when BYU averaged 8.97 yards per snap. Tonight, Kalani, 8.86 yards per play. And again, when you only get 50 snaps... BYU made really good use of them with a really nice offensive number. Yeah, I, I thought they did a great job. A-Rod and, and, I mean, the offense showed up ready to play. I just wish we had more uh, opportunities to give them more snaps. You know, they scored 35 points with 50 snaps. Imagine what they could do with another 20 if we can just get our drives. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that they came to play. I, I thought defense did some really good things too, but – um, we just need to play off 60 minutes and try to get out of these long drives that caught us in the game tonight. Another important stat is your turnover number. Uh, turnover free again. You've now had zero giveaways, Kalani, in six of your last nine games. And since you've been the head coach, you've had 19 turnover free games. And not surprisingly, you're 18-1 and one when you just don't turn the ball over. Well, I, I, I told the guys that's the stuff I love. I, I, you'll never hear me say... Uh, too much ball security, you know what I mean? So uh, I, I feel like we can really possess the ball and do better and, and keep improving. Um, but uh, but you have to give a lot of credit to to the decision-making by the quarterbacks as well. As well. And um, tonight I thought Baylor made some really good decisions. 
And I thought our our, our um, ball carriers, whoever had the ball in their hands, did a good job of covering up. But uh, if I'm being really picky, you can always improve ball security. Coach, um, there had not been a kickoff return coming into tonight. We saw our first kickoff return of the season. And then uh, Hobbs Nyberg broke one, uh, got loose a little bit on a punt return. Was that an emphasis in practice this week? And will we see a little bit more aggressive um, in the re- aggressive approach in the return game? Or is that uh, kind of a game-by-game determination? No, we, we thought we had a nice return last week against Arizona State. And he that's the one that was over his shoulder a little bit. We had great hold up and and blocked it really well and um, so you know we're always going to try to get advantage and try to get better field position for our offense. But um, I think he's starting to feel a lot more comfortable with the timing and being able to to judge the ball and judge the the, the, the cover team at the same time. But um, I've been really pleased with him and, and and everything that he does. He works really hard at it, and it'd be nice to, to allow him to break one. Hopefully, we can get that soon. How'd you come out of tonight, um, health-wise? I know nothing, nothing season-ending. Um, anything that, that concerns you a lot tonight? Um, as of now, everybody's still available to play uh, on Friday, but that's just going to ha- be when we factor in practice time and, and how they're feeling, and 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 if they're going to be better than their backup is, you know, banged up. So uh, I know that Harris Lachance went out, Mason Wake went out, um, Caleb Christensen. So we'll have to see. Uh, how how it looks for those guys. I think I'm trying to think of if there's anyone else I miss, but guys are banged up, man. It's 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 football. There's a lot of guys that you know that that were banged up even during the drives. Those drives were long, and some guys were were just hurting. But they they got to just get better. That's just what it is. Just get your sleep, uh, hydrate, and and get your rest because uh, football is a, a very physical and tough game. So they're they're just gonna have to get the the bruises healed and be ready to roll by Friday. Do you know how close uh, Keenan Ellis is to coming back for you? We we think he's really close. We'll have to see um, what happens in the next little bit. It was good to see George Udo in the game and, and playing. Um, it was good to get some guys up there. We moved Chaz around a little bit um, where we think we can utilize his him to kind of make up a little bit for what Keenan Peely uh, we lose from him not being in the in, in the game. So uh, we'll, we'll have to just find our best 11 again and our best depth to rotate with that 11 against Utah State, what we see from film. But they're, they're a tough matchup, and we'll be, have to be ready to roll. Sounds like you used your vocal cords a little bit tonight, Kalani. Yeah, I was yelling at some people about <laughs> a couple things and trying to get out of drives. That I, I mean, it was nothing out, out, uh, that where it was, uh, you know, too out of the ordinary. But just, just trying to get the guys fired up. I, Man, I was so happy that they were able to force fourth downs, but we've got to find ways to get get make those plays, especially when, you know, you said that that last drive was 19 play. 19 plays, 94 yards for the touchdown, yeah. Yeah, you, somewhere along the way we, we've got to get off that field. And uh, we had some opportunities to make some ter- some picks and turnovers, some big plays. That's one, I mean, uh, we won the game. I'm really happy that we won the game, but – Man, I just I just want our guys to play at their best and make and take advantage of these big plays that we could have made. We touched the ball uh, a few times on defense. We we you know were close to getting sacks with the, on the quarterback, and we just got to secure tackles. It, it, they're just great athletes on South Florida's team. Don't get me wrong, but we we didn't help ourselves by straying away from our technique and in, in, in the fundamentals of the game. 
Well, if you're like Riley and me, you found a way to sneak a peek at the uh, Utah State-Boise State game this morning. Your next two opponents. The first, of course, is the Aggies in Logan on Friday night. A quick word about Utah State, what you've seen and what you saw today, and and your thoughts about what kind of game you might be in for on Friday night. Yeah, I think Blake Anderson's doing a really good job with that program, and and he's added some pieces to to their roster. Um, uh, You can see the influence that they've had in their games, and a uh, unique style of offense where they, they go really fast. And, um, you know, I was able to watch the game this morning. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think it's, it's it poses some challenges for us. It's going to be a big-time game up in Logan, a uh, rivalry game. So we're excited for that game as well. And, and uh, just looking forward to, to trying to get that fifth win. That's going to be the key. But a lot of respect for them. And, and I see some really good things from what they've they've done so far this year. Coach, give the fans a little bit of a uh, peek inside uh, the locker room this week, or I, I should say inside the practice field. Short week, you mentioned, uh, you just mentioned a question ago that guys are kind of banged up. Is it mostly kind of helmets and mental work so that guys are at their peak performance on on uh, Friday, or do you push them a little bit just to make sure they're ready for the intensity of what will, what is sure to be uh, you know, a tough matchup against Utah State? No, we're going to push them a little bit. It's, it's it's another day, another week. The only thing is we lose we lose one day of prep, but I believe you, the best way to get over your bumps and bruises is to get to work. So Monday we'll get to work. They have they have a full Sunday to get ready, to get rested, to get their rest and, and, and feel healthy, get their sleep tonight. Um, but we got to go to work on Monday and then get a lot of things fixed by the time we get to that game, uh, head up to Logan on Thursday and play that game on Friday. So, um, it's going to be a good a good prep week for us. I, I really believe so. But our our players are ready for it, and and we're going to return some guys. So uh, I, I think the the key for us is to get back. The intensity's got to be uh, the best way to learn and get healthy is to to go to work. And, and if your legs are sore, let's just let's just get the sweat sweat it out and get the bruises out by by working them. Kalani, we'll let you go by letting you know that it was a third straight crowd of 60,000-plus here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, 60,217 tonight. It's hard to believe the the home season's already halfway gone, but these last three weeks have been tremendous, uh, well-attended, and and great results, and Cougar fans going home happy every night. Man, so so proud of the fans. They made a lot of noise tonight. You could see that, that it was causing some problems for USF. They've had to take timeouts. Uh, towards the you know the end of play, got, almost got some delay games and false starts. But uh, the fans, we love, we love them. Uh, we appreciate all their hard work and their energy and their supporting us. And uh, we're looking forward to to entertaining the fans this next Friday and and playing that game up in Logan. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're we're looking to, to play a complete game with in all three phases. Well, Kalani, thanks as always for joining us post game. Congrats again on the W. Uh, rest up, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll see you next week. Appreciate you guys. Go Cougs. Thank you, Kalani. That's Kalani Sitake, head coach of the BYU Cougars. BYU wins it by a score of 35-27 to over USF. The all-time series now tied at one between the Cougars and the Bulls. Coming up next, it is the BYU Creamery Cougar Nation Now program brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. We'll also give away two half gallons of famous Creamery ice cream with the correct answer to a skill-testing trivia question. We'll start off Cougar Nation now. By actually hearing from the other locker room, we'll hear from uh, Coach Jeff Scott and uh, USF's side of the proceedings tonight, and then we'll hear from Cougar Nation via Twitter, hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter, 
Use the hashtag BYUCNN to share your comments or questions. And you can also email us if you want to go longer form, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. That's CougarNationNow, one long word with two N's at the back. CougarNationNow at BYU.edu via the email. And then for Twitter, hashtag BYUCNN. Cougar Nation Now is coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to the BYU Creamery Cougar Nation Now. BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Be a part of the show by emailing your questions to CougarNationNow at BYU.edu or tweet your questions to at Greg Rubel using hashtag BYUCNN. Let's head live to the Built Bar broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, Mitchell Jurgens, and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so Mitchell is on his way up from the Cougar locker room area. Greg and Riley upstairs. BYU 35, USF 27 tonight's final score. Head coach Jeff Scott of South Florida still looking for his first win over an FBS opponent. He drops to 2-11. and He's 2-0 and against FCS, now 0-11 against FBS. But his team played hard, played well in uh, taking a 21-0 game and making it a ball game. Cougars win by one score, if you will, 35-27. Let's hear now from head coach Jeff Scott, the head coach of the South Florida Bulls. He spoke with the media a short time ago. Here now the coach of USF. First of all, congratulations to Coach Lataki and uh, the BYU team uh, on the victory. Uh, this is an incredible atmosphere. Uh, I've been in just about every ACC, SEC stadium uh, in the country, and uh, this is one of the best I've ever been in. Absolutely uh, incredible uh, atmosphere. Um, you know, really the, the tale of this game was the first half. Uh, you know, really proud of the way our guys played in the second half. I believe we had three possessions offensively in the second half. Scored on all three of them. I think one of them was a 94-yard drive, 75-yard drive, and then somewhere around a 50-yard drive. So, um, you know, it's tough. Uh, obviously, we, we've, um, you know, been in this position before. Uh, but, you know, again, uh, you know, I think, unfortunately, uh, just gave up too many uh, big plays there in the uh, first half and, um, you know, had a couple miscues there early offensively. But uh, I just told that team, man, I'm, I'm disappointed, and uh, obviously in the uh, result, uh, you know, our goal was to come out here and win the game, and, and we had an opportunity to do that. And uh, but man, I, I'm so proud of the way how hard our guys played, and um, you know, got to give them credit. I mean, look at some of the plays they made. They just, you know, their guy was a step or two faster than our guy, and he just made the play, um, you know, and on, on some of those balls, and, and they they uh, were very clean executing on offense. Uh, give their uh, quarterback uh, a lot of credit and uh, their offense. They were very clean, and um, we just didn't make enough plays, especially early uh, there on, on defense. But, man, I'm really proud of our offensive line. I mean, really, we just told those guys in the second half uh, we were going to get behind them and just run the ball. And, uh, again, Jaron Mangum uh, continues to be a force for us. Man, how proud am, am I of uh, Timmy McLean in this environment for a true freshman? I mean, you're down there, fourth and goal at the one. I mean, that's as loud. I, I don't care, LSU, anywhere, uh, Clemson. It don't get louder than it was right down there at that goal line on that fourth and one. And to see our guys push through there, uh, th- those are things that we can uh, build off of. I, I don't believe we had one false start offensively. And uh, so really give the, the offensive players, offensive coaching staff, uh, you know, a lot of credit there. 
Uh, a lot of the other teams that played in here had, had a lot of those issues. This, we had to go to a different snap count. Uh, we started early in the week, which was different than we've done in the past. And uh, Brad Cecil uh, did a great job up front. And, uh, again, Timmy McClain, uh, you know, he, he's going to learn a lot from this. He's going to be a, a better player uh, from, for this type of environment he was in today. And, and we're going to be a better team. I mean, I think you can look at it. We probably played one of the most difficult uh, non-conference schedules in the entire country, all Division One football. Uh, with NC State, obviously, seeing what they did today, uh, top of Team Florida is, uh, what they did uh, two weeks ago, and then obviously uh, BYU. I think they're 20-3 and three, uh, since uh, we beat them two years ago. Uh, so they've been playing some good ball. I think this is their 13th win in a row uh, in this environment. And, um, you know, I think we scored the most points they, they've given up all year. So uh, obviously disappointed we didn't come away with the win, uh, but really just proud of our guys' effort, the way they continue to fight. Uh, you know, it was definitely a, an un, uncommon effort, and uh, that's something we'll build off on. We'll go home and uh, get some rest and then uh, show back up Monday and, and get ready for conference play. So with that, I'll open up for any questions. Coach, uh, those, those long second-half drives, what really was the key to, to keeping those drives extended? Because you, the third quarter you chewed off seven-plus minutes. Obviously, in the fourth quarter, you had the nine-minute drive. What really keyed yeah. that ability to send those I, I think the ability to run the ball. Um, you know, we, we knew this was a team. They, they play a lot of coverage, and we, we knew this was they were not going to give us a lot of one-on-one opportunities with Weaver and, and some of our skill guys. So we knew it was going to be a run the ball, run the ball against the zone, and then take the short throws. And uh, I can't wait to go back and, and watch this tape. Um, I mean, I just – Again, I think Timmy made some plays with his feet. I think there were some critical third down, fourth down plays, uh, you know, against a really good defense over here uh, with this group. But I think ultimately the ability to run the ball uh, when they knew we were going to run the ball and we, we were able to get the yards we needed to, to keep the drives going. And, and that's what we're going to have to be able to do uh, this year, especially with the um, you know, lack of depth on defense. Uh, we're not going to be able to, to play as fast as we would like to play offensively. Uh, we're going to need to, to uh, continue to – to uh, eat up some clock and, and get points in the end zone. And, you know, it about worked for us uh, right there. We are just really just, you know, a couple minutes away and one stop away from having a chance to, to go down and tie the game up. I'm, it might be too early, you know, to tell. I know you got to go back and evaluate. Does, does Timmy kind of cement himself as a starter tonight with his performance? Uh, honestly, yeah. I would say uh, as of this, watching him uh, go yeah. in, and, again, he wasn't perfect, but – you know, I think he's gotten better each and every week. And again, I mean, I mean, this this environment was uh, unbelievable. And to be able to go out and, and execute and get the calls, uh, get the snap, the cadence, all those type of things. Um, and we've got you know a couple other really talented quarterbacks as well. Uh, you know, we were we were ready uh, to to put Cade in if if we got in a situation. Uh, but Timmy really just managed. I, I felt like Timmy's feet were really the difference for us in some situations uh, when maybe we didn't have what we wanted downfield with the coverage, and he, he made some plays. And um, um, so, yeah, I feel comfortable with him uh, being our starter moving forward, and, and uh, we'll still take it week by week as we go. Obviously, there's no season-long contracts or anything like that. you got to continue to play well. Uh, but, but right now, he, he moves the ball best for our offense. And that's got to be just big for you confidence-wise, knowing that heading into, into SMU, I mean, uh, obviously, things probably didn't go as quickly as you wanted them, but just to, to, to finally be able to kind of say that heading yeah. into conference play. Yeah, that was kind of what we talked about at the beginning of the season. We knew we had some some challenging games, and uh, we were going to give you know each of those guys a, an opportunity to get out and play, and, and really wanted to come out of uh, you know the non-conference uh, 
feeling like we had some momentum and rhythm with somebody. And, you know, I don't, I don't think we were ever in that situation last year. And uh, obviously it's, it's still difficult with the, the loss tonight. But um, there was a lot of things that we gained. There was some confidence we gained, especially offensively there in the, the uh, second half. And, you know, just really proud of uh, how, how Timmy played and, and managed uh, the game, managed the situation uh, against a really good defense. Coach, BYU scores 28 in the first half. What were the adjustments that were made in the second half to kind of stop those big plays from happening as much? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's difficult. We, we knew BYU was very balanced, right? You go in some games and you're saying, well, they like to throw it a lot and we need to, uh, you know, play coverage. And in some games they run it. But we knew coming into this game that they were very balanced. They can hit you in the passing game if you get too many guys up there. And, I mean, ultimately it, it starts with stopping the run. And, and uh, you know, the frustrating part is, we, we have guys there. We, we got to coach them better uh, on tackling. We got to go back and, and review what we're doing, and, and, and the guys got to tackle better because a lot of these plays, man, we, we get the yards after contact tonight is uh, you know probably the story of the night defensively. And then when you're not tackling, you're not stopping the run. Then it forces you to be a little bit more aggressive and, and get up there. And then it gets in a one-on-one game, and and their guys made the plays. I mean, I. I made a living uh, with my wideouts being better than everybody else's, a step better than everybody else's DBs for 10 years. And uh, tonight, their guys, you know, were just a step behind, uh, got behind our guys. Their quarterback made the throw. And, uh, and that makes it really difficult on the defense because then you're sitting here and now you have to go back and play coverage. And then they want to run the ball. And it just, it's, it's a tough combination. Uh, but, you know, we were able to get just enough uh, there in the second half. And, uh, man, I, I love the, the blocked field goal there. Again, guys just giving great effort. And, uh, at some point, uh, we're going to get that blocked field goal, and it's going to bounce our way. Our guy's going to pick it up and, and run it back. So, you know, those are things that we can build off of. But, yeah, definitely proud of our, our defense holding them to seven points in the second half. And, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, we can get a few of these guys uh, back healthy here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, he talks about uh, – that was, by the way, Coach uh, Jeff Scott of USF. That's great from him. Uh, talks about he was he made a living on his wide receivers being better than the other guys he's talking about like Sammy Watkins DeAndre Hopkins he's talking he was the Clemson he was a Clemson wide receiver and then he was a Clemson wide receiver coach then the Clemson OC he had some people he had some guys he had some guys there at Clemson so he knows what he's talking about there no doubt about that great to hear from uh from Jeff Scott that's fantastic um Mike Williams, I think, was also a Clemson yep. guy. Man, that, that, that's just insane. Yeah, embarrassment of riches. Yeah. All right, good stuff there from Coach Scott. And thanks to the interns, uh, Trevor Rich and uh, Bryce Noakes from heading down and getting that stuff. Uh, let's head to the Twitter now. And Ry- uh, Mitchell is up here, by the way. Hashtag BYUCNN. We'll start it off, as we often do, with uh, at Chaplin Schumann. Uh, Greg and Riley, but Riley, really, uh, and Mitch, uh, what's your take on why the BYUD did struggle to stop those three time-consuming drives? And those drives, by the way, were... Uh, 13 plays, 69 yards, 635 off the clock. 12 plays, 62 yards, 507 off the clock. 14 plays, 75 yards, 735 off the clock. And 19 plays, 94 yards, 905 off the clock. Was it a combination of injuries or scheme? And he did say that no false starts by USF was an impressive thing tonight. Yeah, they never got behind the sticks. I'm going to tell myself a little bit here. Um, I don't always get uh, the chance to watch all the all the games. I, I I can almost always get for prep for the broadcast, right? I always get the game before, but it's rare that I get multiple. But the kids were in bed earlier this week than normal, so I actually watched all three games. They did not show as as run heavy, uh, or sorry, as 
zone read heavy of a run package in the three previous games. And that was evident because BYU was not – you defend that multiple – essentially you defend that the same way you defend option, which is you assign a guy to take the running back, and then you assign a guy to take the quarterback. And whether it's the DN that takes the quarterback and the linebacker's got the running back or the DN chases the heel line of the running back and the quarterback and the linebacker scrapes around to take the quarterback, it uh, – it, it just wasn't a – they were reacting as opposed to having a preemptive plan. So – and Kalani mentioned it in our interview with him that, you know, they would have a guy there. And it's true. They were sound enough – they were assignment sound enough to be like, okay, well, you're the contained player. You're the force player. You're the B-gap player. So they had a guy in the B-gap. But because it wasn't a preemptive quarterback assignment, McLean was good enough that he'd sidestep, scamper out. And as as their coach just said, as Coach Scott just said, Mangum, he said, continues to be a force to be reckoned with. And he was, well, I mean, it wasn't he wasn't the Tyler Algiers six-plus yards per carry, but four yards per carry on 26 carries. And actually it ended up all the way down at three and a half. But even still, like, he kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. So... That that was the primary reason, not getting behind the sticks, as you mentioned, being good in early downs, and then when it came to third down, the injuries to the defensive backfield for BYU was tough. I mean, Jacob Robinson got burned, right? But he's not a normal guy. There was times where Jaquez Wilson was in their garden, and he got a third down conversion caught on him. And you had, you just had guys who aren't your normal playmakers they're not as stout they're not as experienced um in their trying to make plays on third and medium you know to third and short and it puts them in in a difficult situation which to me is why they were able to sustain the drives like they did Mitch anything you want to add to that yeah so one of the things that I observed was you know McLean he, he definitely thrived when he was outside of the pocket it seemed today that there wasn't, I mean, the contain wasn't as in, in effect as it has been in previous games. McLean used sideline to sideline. And that was, I mean, the more that he did it, he got even more comfortable. I mean, this is a this is a freshman quarterback where um, as the game went on, it almost, almost like he, he, he utilized sideline to sideline so well. And I think that just proved to be very difficult for the defense to contain um and and like riley mentioned i don't think it was unnecessarily in the game plan that they could have forecasted that type of play um and uh, and that's that's where they struggled uh will durbin on twitter asks what happened to mason wake what did happen to mason wake mitch so it, it was on that drive he had a he had three catches um all on the sideline. It was a third one. I, when he went down, I, I did see the play. It looked like he got it, almost like the the de- when the defender tackled him, he fell on his ankle. He got up, hobbled off, went straight to the locker room. So uh, I think just like um, uh, potentially Harris Lachance, it, it seems like maybe just a rolled ankle. That's the hope. Um, and from the report that I heard, it was just precautionary. They were keeping him out for the rest of the game. Um, he was in a boot, but again, a lot of times that can be precautionary. So uh, that's the hope, but it did look like uh, he, he was rolled up on. Hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter and using hashtag BYUCNN, Stephen Vincent picking up on Riley Nelson's vibe in the postgame and asks, was there a time when the Romney brothers, Barrington brothers, and Nakua brothers were all on the field at the same time? And I get the sense you were looking at pretty closely, and the answer is no, right? 
Nope, we had <laughs> obviously Romneys and Barringtons, but there was not a single play. And obviously, I was thinking back in in his, and I don't believe that Samson and Puka have been on the field at the same time, which makes sense. They're very similar wide receivers, similar bodies, kind of play the same position. So more they rotate for each other than occupying two spots in the same personnel grouping. But no, not tonight. I think I think I did pick out actually when Puka and Samson were on the field at the same time, but like that. Um, Gunner was never then yeah. on the field with those two on the field at the same time. That's yeah. why Riley made the personnel request, the package request to Kalani to make that happen. Which, by the way, he kind of dodged my question. You know, that's why you that's why you hired me, Greg. I asked those hard hitting questions <laughs> of Kalani, like when he's going to get the triple, yeah. the trifecta on the brothers grouping and the personnel. We'll take a break. We'll come back, head back to Twitter, and drop in an email too. Cougar Nation now at BYU.edu on the email or using the Twitter, hashtag BYUCNN. Cougs 35 and the Bulls of USF 27, BYU's highest point total, and also the most points allowed by BYU on the year. More after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, the BYU led after one quarter, two quarters, three quarters, and yes, indeed, four quarters of play. 35-27 is your final BYU 4-0. The Cougars one of 23 4-0 teams in the FBS, one of 26 undefeated teams. Uh, South Alabama... Cincinnati, Ole Miss are the 3-0 and teams. Everyone else who's undefeated is 4-0. and And again, we've repeated it a few times, and so you may have heard this a few times already, but it is pretty crazy to think about that in this great storied football history of BYU, 4-0 and starts in back-to-back years that never occurred until 2020 and 2021. And uh, now you're in that uh, rarefied air, BYU, and they look to go 5-0 and by visiting Utah State Friday night. Let's head to the email. We have the email coming in on Cougar Nation now at byu.edu. Chris Butters, who I think was a recent ice cream winner uh, for us, um, says, In music education, we use the term finish the phrase. It means to stay focused, engaged, and committed all the way through the end of a musical passage, even if you struggle and make mistakes. Through their four games so far, BYU's shown the ability to, quote, finish the phrase in spite of mistakes and adversity. And it seems that the program as a whole is poised to do so through the end of the era of independence with all of its ups and downs through the years. He said, what a great show of maturity and commitment from the players and coaches to finish the phrase and come out with the win yet again. Go Cougs. That's from Chris Butters. There's some value in what he says there because the coaches were saying it just in a different way. And and even though they can be, you know, dissatisfied or a little bit discontent or feeling that they haven't played the full 60 or the full four quarters yet – uh, the Cougars have responded when responses have been required in each and every week to make sure that a one-score one game didn't become something that uh, you know bites you in the end. Kalani said it, winning is hard. And look, I know USF's uh, on a little bit of a downstroke, but I think they're. I think the the darkest has passed, and they're working their way towards dawn. What year was Portland State? Twenty to nothing. Twenty to seven. Uh, that was the twenty seventeen year because that's the year that began with the win over the FCS and then never got going. And then the yeah. LSU game came almost right after that. And it was yeah, that was that that was the bad year. That was the yeah. twenty seventeen year. Well, what I'm saying is, 
you can be mad after a port because that Portland State team also went on a FBS and I don't believe won or maybe won one or two games, right? So when you're struggling with or when you have a tight game against that caliber of team, but I think their coach mentioned in his press conference they're about to start conference play. Are they going to contend for the American Conference Championship? No, but are they going to go winless? I would be extremely surprised if they do. I imagine this team is going to pick up is going to finish middle of the pack in their division. Well, they scored 20 against Florida, ranked team. They scored 27 against ranked BYU. Yes, NC State got after him, but it was the first game of the year, different starting quarterback, and NC State just beat Clemson today. Yeah. So this team is not dog meat, and winning is hard, and winning consecutively game after game after game is hard. I mean, BYU's next opponent learned that lesson. Kind of game, Utah State was feeling themselves 3-0. and You know, they get the win against Washington State, come back on the road against Air Force and, and steal that one and come in kind of thinking, you know, we got this against Boise, and Boise puts it on them, and they couldn't get anything going. So for this BYU team to to not suffer a loss but still learn that valuable lesson that Kalani so uh, you know, articulately put during his interview to me is a, a very, at it's a great position to be in. Yeah, and I actually like what Baylor said in in his post game at the at the podium. He mentioned you know the defense had the offenses back the first three weeks, the offense had the defenses back today, and that's going to happen in football, right? I mean, we even talked about it. I, I talked about it before uh, before the game today. I wanted to see four full quarters of consistent football, and, and although we didn't see that today, at the end of the day, a win's a win, um, but, you know, you can a good football team as well is going to count on and rely on the other side of the ball or a different aspect of the game when we need it uh, or when BYU needs it, and, and they saw that today. The offense got it done carried the defense and now it's just a matter of putting both pieces together uh, which hasn't happened yet for four quarters um, and and the hope is they can kind of string four quarters of full complete football here soon. BYU would have scored in all four quarters tonight but for the blocked field goal. They had uh, a good chance to actually uh, uh, keep that little run alive of quarter scoring and then they had a field goal block for the first time in five years as it turned out. Uh, former BYU linebacker, uh, back in my school days. In fact, he was wrapping up his BYU career when I was starting my BYU time as a as a student uh, in the mid '80s. Um, David Neff has emailed in, and he said, "Hey guys, enjoy your thoughts and commentary. I'm an old has been Cougar linebacker, but fondly remembered." Uh, he said uh, he texts and talks with old teammates during the games. He said, one question and sometimes concern we have chatted about is the defensive rotation almost every play. He said, it's so great that we have the depth to do that. We often don't seem, he said, but we often don't seem ready and may affect the defensive players getting into the flow of the game. Any thoughts on why BYU rotates so much and rotates in late? Looking forward to your thoughts. Thanks, Dave. And that's the old linebacker, David Neff. So, Dave, uh, one of the things we'll do a better job articulating on the broadcast, they do it more versus tempo teams, and it's a, it, it, it is a purposeful, strategic move that any time a team that's trying to play up-tempo, any time that they substitute, they take full latitude of that umpire coming in, standing over the ball to allow the substitution. If you watch the defensive lineman, and how I first started picking up on this was I would notice they would sub in DBs, and the DBs are like, 
I mean, they're not walking, but it is like a lazy, slow jog. And at first I was like, man, that's a lack of hustle. And then I realized what it was causing is the other team starting to get anxious. You you notice the coaches on the sideline are waving their arms, you know, like the hurry up, hurry up, yeah, hurry yeah. up. But that umpire has to stand over the ball and give BYU adequate time to do substitution. So to me, I think it's a strategic play to affect the rhythm of teams that want to snap the ball, you know, with 25 to 20 seconds left on the clock. South Florida was that team coming into the game. Kalani talked about it. They got down 21 nothing. and they're like, look, if we don't execute a play with our freshman quarterback – uh, we're not. We're, this is going to get ugly, and it's going to get ugly quick. So they actually slowed down their tempo throughout the rest of the game. But BYU's strategy of taking full advantage of every second that they're going to give them to substitute um, that continued throughout the game. Amen. Okay. Uh, it's <laughs> funny. Um, the, the the game ended in such a way that it went from. Maybe they'll have a chance to score late to the clock ran out enough to the point where they could actually uh, get under 40 and the game ended. So the the game ended without BYU needed to, needing to score. But Vincent on Twitter notes, <laughs> you know how BYU won its first game by 8 and then they won by 9? No way. And they won by 10? <laughs> they just won by 8. If the Cougars had had a chance to score, kick a field goal at the end, they, they would have won by 11. Yeah. So they kind of messed that up. So uh, BYU, needed, one, BYU th- needed about 90 more seconds of football. This one didn't go to 11. This one did not. Yeah, but uh, that, that was, that's the one thing that didn't happen tonight was uh, was keeping that particular pattern in play tonight. Uh, Kenny asks a question. Maybe you guys could reference this from your playing days. He says, I figure that each player is different uh, game preps, but I'm surprised that so many references were made tonight to watching other football games this morning. How common is that? So on a game day, if you were playing the late game, and BYU so, only plays late games now, what what was your vibe? Well, and that was the biggest thing I was going to say is with an eight fifteen kick, um, there's so much time thinking about the game because you know how how the road tripper for me even these home games that you start your um, game prep or it's, it starts to feel like a game the night before because you go and stay in a hotel, you wake up the next morning and you've got twelve hours before kick, you know. Um, and that's a lot of time, and so um, and home for games me, you check out of the hotel. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And for me specifically, like y- you can only think about the game so much before you psych yourself out. Um, I- I'm all for mental prep, but it's got to come at the right time. And if you start your mental prep too early, you can drain yourself. Um, for me, sp- uh, for me, that was the case. And so, yeah, I mean, every single, um, especially these eight fifteen kicks. My ritual was uh, I always roomed with my twin brother, and we, I mean, we slept as much as we could. Uh, we'd go back to the hotel, turn football games on, and, and fall asleep watching kind of between meetings, between um, uh, meals and things like that. And, um, I, I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what we did to get ready. And then as soon as you had that pregame meal, which was, what was that, four hours-ish before kick, um, that's when I really started to lock in. Um, and, and up to that point, I mean, we've watched film. We've done all that. Um, between as, we're, as I'm watching a, a football game of, of those that are on TV, you know, you've got your game script and, and you're becoming familiar with the plays. And that's just um, part of that process all day long, all day, all day long process. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I did as well. So early on, I would, uh, and I was a dummy, and and part of it was just my 
my major, like my course, my the way my courses compounded on each other, I couldn't I couldn't spread out my harder classes. So my harder classes also like got piled on top of me as my senior year. So I was a dummy. Anybody out there wanting to you know be a big time <laughs> football player? Um, yeah, work hard in school, but don't work too hard. 12, I, the the suggestion is twelve credits in the fall. And then you can load like sixteen, seventeen credits. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I know. And I got underwater, <laughs> and it was anyway it was bad news. So like later on in my career, I actually had to use some time to to do homework. But for me, what that looked like: you wake up, you meet as a team, you have a walkthrough, you know, you eat and all that stuff. And then when they let you go, I would always make sure and rewatch the blitz packages again. Um, but that would kind of be the only kind of film. Uh, and then, of course, I would review our first 15 and our game script. Mm-hmm. I would have someone do that with me. But then. Um, everybody referenced watching games because there was a ton of opponents on TV. I would first look for opponents, and then I would watch whatever big game was on. So this morning you had Utah State-BYU, the next two sequential Utah State, opponents. Utah State-Boise State. Or sorry, you had Utah State-Boise State, the next two sequential opponents, and then you also had Baylor playing Iowa State that was on a national TV. So you had a lot of and, – and that's nice because you kind of get a feel for the team without having to be in a formal film study session. But that's how I would normally pass it. And then, of course, I, I – I had a nap, except I would set an alarm on my nap, 45 minutes on game day only, otherwise I, I risked. There was a couple times I slept too long and got a little lethargic heading into game day. Had to hit the smelling salts, you know, maybe take a scoop of pre-workout to get going um, after, you know, you can't let yourself nap two, two and a half hours on game day. It, it sets your body off, but that was what my typical... Um, game day look like for 8 o'clock kicks. Obviously, if it's if it's much earlier, you just don't have time to do all that stuff. Did you did you say sm- smelling salts in there? Oh yeah, that was big. It did, by the way, smelling salts doesn't do anything. Like it's it's more just <laughs> it's you a feel shock, cool. It's a shock to the brain. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you feel old school and you feel tough. It's uh, anyway. Do they okay. still have them down there, by the way, Mitch? I'm not on the I, sidelines. So anymore. I haven't I haven't seen them on the sideline. But these new kids, kids these when days. I, was, I mean, I ended in 2016, and we and we were still, still doing, doing them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple notes here, uh, statistical notes. Uh, three and outs. How many offensive three and outs did BYU have tonight? And the answer is zero. The BYU had multiple three and outs on offense in each of the first three games. Had two against Arizona, four each against Utah and Arizona State. No three and outs tonight. By the way, Thank goodness, <laughs> USF, their long drive was 14 plays coming in two tonight, and they had a 14 and a 19. So they tied it and then beat it. Their long yardage, uh, no, beg your pardon. Let's back that, backtrack that up. Their long drive was 17 plays. They had a 19 tonight. Their long yardage drive was 87. They had a 94 tonight. Their long drive in time was 732. They had a 735 and a 905 tonight. So they got new superlatives in their fourth game that they'd set through their first three games. Yeah, they 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 were they were excellent at keeping BYU off the field to the point where, as I noted, BYU snapped only 50 plays tonight, which is the uh, the last time they snapped 50 was against Washington in 2018, and that was the game in Seattle. The BYU just got rolled, like there, there was never they were never in the game, and so you snap 50 and get smoked, or you snap 50 and never trail. It's football. Yeah, and then you know I mentioned the fact that Utah State was sitting at. 317 halftime yards with zero points. BYU didn't even have 300 at halftime tonight and had 28 points. Um, <laughs> same game, 
of football and totally different ways of getting things done and, and, and finishing drives or not in Utah State's case, I really felt that the Boise State game was there to be won in that first half. I mean, they, they ended drives with picks, with missed field goals, with blocked field goals, turnovers on downs, just march the ball up and down the field. And I think if you want to talk about the next two games, Utah State's scary because of how well they did move the ball on Boise in that first half. And, and and Boise, conversely, didn't look to be as tough as they had been historically defensively, which made me think that BYU could get some things done, especially on the ground with guys like Tyler Algier. Yeah, I was encouraged to hear uh, between the break I got talking a little bit of X's and O's with Coach Sitake, and I was encouraged to hear that um, their offensive coordinator for Utah State now comes from the coaching tree that was at, UF, that was at UCF last year. So you know, one of the things you're going to notice about Utah State, really wide splits. The wide receivers, are, and they do that to kind of clean up the box. They they don't allow defenders. They allow them to what you call declare. You're either a box player or you're not. You're covering a wide receiver, and that's why they have these super wide splits. But Coach said that, yeah, no, he they do a lot of the same stuff that UCF does. And we all know what happened in the bowl game last year. So so that was encouraging. But, of course, this is a little bit different dynamic. An in-state rival, it's on the road, and a team that's going to be a little bit backed against the wall. And one of the things that I you mentioned, Tyler Algier, South Florida, obviously you meant, you talked about it with the plays. There just simply weren't the opportunities. The per carry numbers were there, but as total yardage, South Florida was given up over 260 yards per game. And, of course, uh, only come away tonight with 138 rushing yards. I think that's more a function of just opportunities than it is uh, being being held down. But uh, they definitely are going to need to get the run game going on Friday night in Logan. This is segment two, which means we should take a break and do so by giving our skill testing trivia question to then answer on the back half and then wrap the show up. Okay, so for two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream, the correct answer needs to come in using the hashtag BYUCNN. So use the hashtag BYUCNN and then submit your answer. And the first correct answer we get on my timeline will be the one we award uh, the ice cream. And, and again, sometimes they come in really quickly, but whatever one I see first is the one I've got to go with on my timeline. All right? So BYU plays Utah State this upcoming Friday. Riley Nelson, who you hear every, uh, every game night on the BYU football broadcast, he not only was a quarterback for BYU, he was also a quarterback for Utah State. A lot of family ties to the Aggies, right? You want to briefly uh, Reader's Digest, the uh, the abridged version of the family ties? Well, I don't know that there's much stadium parking up there, but uh, you, you might drive by it on your way to there. But the George Nelson Fieldhouse, my great-grandfather, a uh, Norwegian immigrant, came over here and boxed and wrestled to kind of pave his way and then was the wrestling coach and athletic trainer for over 40 years, and they named the Fieldhouse after him. Um, and then my subsequently, my grandfather and my dad both played uh, football at Utah State on football scholarships. On the other side, my uh, grandpa, my mom's father, was the head basketball, well, he's a longtime assistant and eventually head basketball coach. And then after head basketball coach was the athletic director there as well. Uh, on my mom's side, so obviously my dad was a player. My mom's only brother was a point guard uh, for Utah State. And then uh, three of my aunts married, one married a football player and two married basketball players. So. 
everybody's an Aggie uh, <laughs> on, on that side. So I, I like to say I'm an Aggie by blood and uh, and a Cougar by paper. Oh, I forgot to mention this generation. My my one brother-in-law walked on uh, and played for Utah State for a couple of years, and then both my brothers were scholarship players. Uh, my little my littlest brother finishing up just last year, uh, most recently. So uh, the the Aggie blue blood runs deep, but uh, I'm adopted member, and we get this right with the House of Israel. Everybody out there listening, <laughs> we get we get how the whole adoption thing works. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, there's a little bit of the pedigree for for me in Utah State, and of course. Four genera- all of my European immigrant ancestors ended up settling in Logan, and our, my family's been there ever since. So four-generation Cache Valley Loganites. Okay, we're back up sardine on Friday for BYU and Utah State. And so before spinning it for BYU, Riley was the quarterback for Utah State. Here is your question. In Riley's freshman year. 2006. Oh, you gave the year. Oh, I'm sorry. Shoot. So Okay, we're going to do it anyway. We're just going to do it anyway. Okay, which team did Utah State beat for Riley's one win in his freshman year as starting quarterback at Utah State? He got one big win that freshman year. Which team did Utah State beat? Hashtag BYUCNN for the answer. We'll get the correct answer with ice cream next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, the, our final segment of the program, BYU 35 and South Florida 27. Tonight's final score before the break, we gave you the skill-testing trivia question for two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. The question was this, in Riley Nelson's freshman year at Utah State, uh, which team did he and the Aggies beat for Riley's one win as a freshman that year? And the correct answers became they came flooding in flooding in and and maybe some were, were tipped off by the fact that uh, Riley gave us the season in which the game was played but uh, either way the correct answer and the first one with it was John Lindsay by the way so congratulations John watch for me I'll I'll DM you with some information but the correct answer was Fresno State Bulldogs on homecoming um, and uh, in dramatic fashion scored with uh, I think 13 seconds left we actually had to score twice first the first touchdown was called back on offensive pass interference I went right back so Jimmer was in here he was the he was BYU Hall of Fame the wide receiver that I threw to that game winning touchdown was Kevin Robinson and he was just recently inducted into the Utah State Athletic Hall of Fame so anyway. you mentioned you mentioned 13 seconds to go you wore jersey number 13 here at BYU 12 there 12 there okay I was the, I was like the local kid, and I wore 13, which I never really loved 13. It was just the last number. Like, as a sophomore, I, I was lucky enough to dress, and it was one of the few numbers left because it was unlucky uh, at Logan High. And so I wore that through. But then when I go to Utah State, they were like, oh, you're, you know, the local kid thinking you're hot stuff. Here, you don't get your number. So I wore 12 up there. Then once I came back here, they gave me 13. So. How were you with jersey numbers over, over the years, <laughs> Mitchell? So freshman year, I actually had my best number, and somehow, I mean, usually walk-ons, they come in, and it's literally like the worst number you can imagine, like a receiver. 38. Yeah, receiver wearing 39. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I got 12 my freshman year pre-mission, um, but from coming home from the mission, um, then I was stuck with, uh, I had no tie to 87, what I wore. Mm. It was just the you number they school? gave me. Six. So your Houston days, so were, you were six. But yeah. McKay, no, when you came, no, no McKay was gone by that time. 
by the time you came back from your yeah. mission. Okay, I Jacob think I could have, but I was also, when I came back from my mission, I had to walk on again. And so there was no picking a number for a yeah. guy like me. Actually, I was 87 when I came back from the mission. The bowl game, I show up in San Francisco, and they give me 88. And it was like a triple XL. Yeah, where it's baggy around the waist. I, I, was, yeah. I was wearing, I mean, and that was, I wasn't playing in that game. We just all wore jerseys on the sideline. Yeah. And I was literally wearing like a nightgown. So, <laughs> Come on, Mick. Yeah. No, Mick, did, uh, Mick was great. Speaking of Hall of Fame, <laughs> Mick Hill, the former equipment director who's recently retired. Um, anyway. Uh, old school BYU on the Twitter because uh, we mentioned the fact that uh, there were no false starts tonight, right? For yep. for South Florida, it was pretty. But but he notes, he says he says I think crowd noise did play a factor in the timeouts being used in the second half, and then BYU gets to run the clock out for the win. No timeouts available, so maybe in in a different kind of way, uh, the the environment here did cause um, South Florida just enough problems to where those timeouts weren't a factor by the end of the game. Valid point, eh? That was yeah, great observation because um, th- there were that third down and whatever was left would have been a much different scenario had South Florida been able to stop the clock. So, and uh, the other timeout, two of them were, I think, a function of that. The third one was uh, the coach challenging for the spot right at the goal line, and then yep. they ended up being wrong. Uh, they let the call stand, and they, they lost their third time out there. But certainly uh, USF couldn't stop the clock uh, at the end when BYU was able to just uh, burn it and run it out uh, at the end. So very, very, very true indeed. All right, uh, let's wrap it up for tonight, shall we? R- really uh, quick, Greg. Yeah. This, uh, and never mind, I was going to do like a bonus, but I'm sure the Creamery doesn't have extra. But little known fact, going back to, sorry, you got me down memory night, but 2006 we came in here, took our beat in 38 nothing. John Beck was out with two sprained ankles. That was the Jason Beck game. You've got it. So as I was talking about uh, Max Hall starting 39 straight games from 2007 through 2009, John Beck in tw- in 2005 and si- or rather in 2005 and six only missed one start, and it was the sprained ankle game that Jason Beck came in and, and won. Yep, Utah. He they rested. <laughs> We were. I remember that week. We were like, "It's an insult." They're resting their quarterback. He's not really hurt. They're just because John had. They had recently come off big games against Boston. Boston College was the week before, and I don't remember who else was prior to that. But we were like, "Oh, it's an insult." They're playing their backup, and Jason Beck comes out, throws four TDs. They take care of business, thirty-eight nothing, and uh, John Beck got became back and was healthier and uh, and happier. So anyway. Jason Beck, the current quarterbacks coach In at Virginia, Virginia yeah. right now. Virginia, by the way, opens up two and zero. And then they get drilled the last two games, yeah. uh, North Carolina and uh, Wake Forest, and so we'll see where the uh, where the Cavs are when they come to town. USC lost to Oregon State tonight, so that doesn't bode well for strength of schedule. But um, back to the quarterback comment uh, we were just uh, making regarding continuity. So between John Beck and Max Hall, I think over that six season span. John and Max started every game but for that one game, and Max never missed any games. And since Max left, it's just been kind of a constantly rotating cast of quarterback characters. Last season and 2013 were the only ones. Right, where... so so since Max left yeah. in 2009, from 2010 through the current day, in only 2013, Taysom Hill, and 2020, Zach Wilson, has BYU gone the entire season with the same quarterback starting every game. Yeah. So history shows you're going to need more than one, and sometimes and boy, do we more than have, two. <laughs> and do we have more than one on yeah. this team? So yeah, isn't that it's something? Great to though, have. and backtracking to it all, the fact that uh, Baylor Romney comes in, 
and and wasn't just good. He was like Zach Wilson, pass efficiency, and then some great uh, tonight. So what a great situation to be in. Uh, there are different styles of quarterbacks, and Jaron does different things that made him the QB1. But QB2, uh, QB2 was pretty special in his own way tonight. And I think more than anything else, it's a calming effect that you don't need to feel that, um, oh, well, if Jaron's not ready, how good can BYU be long run, long term? I think the answer is BYU could be pretty darn good no matter how long Jaron has to be out. Is that, I mean, do you guys share the same viewpoint? I, I do not disagree. No, they, they look like, you know, not QB1 and 2. They look like QB1A and 1B. Yeah. Um, no, it's, uh, I mean, it, watching Baylor play is fun. <laughs> He's just so effortless out there. And, uh, I mean, he, he responds to the call so well. No emotion, just gets the job done. And, uh, yeah, definitely a good situation for the Cougs to have uh, a one-two punch like that. Beautiful deep ball, too. Oh, yeah. Really nice deep ball. Yeah. And and it's fun seeing him throw balls to his brother, which which happened three times for 100-and-something yards tonight. Yeah. It was impressive. I mean, I, I played with a brother, and it was a blast. I couldn't imagine playing, you know. Playing catch with your playing brother. Playing catch with D1 your brother. level. <laughs> yeah. So that would be a blast. All right. Let's, uh, let's say good night and uh, wrap it up. Pretty early night for us. It's not even 2 in the morning. So uh, I just don't want to have to do another legal ID, Greg. That's the real reason. Why we're get, we're getting out before 2 a.m. We are doing it. Okay. Uh, let's thank our crew back at BYU Radio, our control board operators, uh, pushing all the buttons and uh, working all the faders and doing all the good work there at the board. It is Corbin Radford and Andrew Hare. Our coordinating producer overseeing all of their work and a whole lot more, Terry South. Our broadcast interns at BYU Radio were Alex Dotson and Jake Roper. Our broadcast interns here in the booth and at the stadium were Bryce Noakes and Trevor Rich. Jason Shepard was our studio host, our booth host, both at Cougar Canyon and up here in the broadcast booth. Our thanks to the engineers, Sean Fay at BYU Radio, Barry Squires at Cougar Canyon, Michael Wimmer here in the broadcast booth. Our thanks to our stats man, Ralph Sokolowski, and our spotter, McKay Perry. That just leaves the guys on the headset. So for the fellow on my right... Mitchell Jurgens, The fellow on my left. Riley Nelson. My name is Greg Rubel, reminding you that our next BYU football broadcast will be in Riley's old stumping grounds. Maverick Stadium, Logan, Utah, the Cache Valley. BYU and Utah State, 5 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock kick Friday night up in Logan. So for those guys, my name is Greg Rubel, thanking you for tuning in, saying our final score tonight here is BYU 35 and South Florida 27. So in the meantime and in between time, this has been BYU football on the new skin. BYU Sports Network. Good night and so long from Provo, Utah. You have been listening to live coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Coverage of today's game has been brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. BYU Football is a production of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. Special thanks to BYU President Kevin Worthen, Vice President Keith Vorkink, Athletic Director Tom Homo, and Associate Athletic Director of Corporate Sponsorships, Casey Stoffer. BYU Football is an exclusive presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network.